HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. And I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, we are sitting with the amazing chef, uh, humanitarian, Charity founder, Chef Massimo Bataro. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Oh. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, so, obviously, most people know you for your restaurant and uh, your work in food. But what we wanted to talk to you about today a lot was mostly your charity work. And I guess the, the biggest question is, you have a, a huge restaurant in the sense of that it's well-known, it's popular, you, you book out months in advance. And the pressure alone to keep that restaurant running is enough for four or five lifetimes over. At what point do you start going, I have this notoriety, I have these relationships, I, I want to do more. I want to do more outside of, of, of my kitchen. I think uh, everything we are doing now is just a reflection on what we are doing on Osteria Francescana every day. Since uh, March 1995, when we open, Osteria is just a, is to me is a, a laboratory of idea. We create culture as a bottega rinascimentale. We, I, during all these years, me and Lara, we create a family in Osteria, and we live uh, our restaurant as a family, and we develop uh, many different ideas, but most of everything. We keep uh, always a door open for the unexpected. Mm. You know, everything that happened, you know, we live the everyday life, but we never get lost into the everyday life. So like that, we can, you know, wake up in the morning and uh, confront ourselves uh, in the mirror and say, wow, you're very lucky. 
to uh, being able to choose and to live a life like this. So mm-hmm. like that, you know, you have a very po- positive approach of the everyday life. But we never get lost into the everyday life because we have always big dreams, you know, since the beginning. Uh, so at one point of your life, after 22 years, the, in which you realize everything because, you know, receive all the different, you know, prizes from all over the world. <laughs> sure. You know, I have a list that is long, like you've run out pages. Of wa- you've run out of wall space. Um, exactly, space. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's time to give back. Mm-hmm. So culture, knowledge, consciousness, sense of responsibility. A chef with culture, with a lot of knowledge, is always been, not always, but most of the time, is it's, you start reflecting about his life at one point and, you know, it's time to give back because you receive so much from life that, you know, we need to share. And especially for me, that I grew up in a very social region like Regione Emilia-Romagna in which, uh, mm, you know, these, all these small producers of Parmigiano Reggiano are they're getting together to become one old strong, uh, you know, consortium, uh, or like the same way balsamic vinegar. You know, it's like it's a region that is very social, and uh, we are always thinking about others. You know, three years ago we start understanding and feeling that the chefs are much more than the sum of their recipes. Mm-hmm. And I start working uh, on video, on a project, on recipes. They became social gesture. Yeah. But how I arrive at this point? Reading Joseph Boyce, mm-hmm. reading Highway Way, mm-hmm. in, in compressing into edible bites my passion. And one of my passion is contemporary art yeah. and artists like Joseph Boyce or Ai Weiwei they're very social and they're very into you know sculpture and, uh, and art and uh, painting as social gesture yeah. we should never stop planting uh, you know uh, Capri battery all this we are the revolution right. we are the revolution not me we we as a collective uh, exactly so this whole project of the refettorio mm-hmm. came out because we all together create this project. So, so let me ask, when you start talking about we and you start looking at your Rolodex and your contact list and things like that, how do you set it up so that it is both a clear defined message and that when you ask other people to dedicate their time, their resources, that it is not just another charity, it's not just a moment in time, it is something that is actually going to lead to bigger change. And then in the second part of that is, what type of responsibility and pressure comes with those types of asks? Food for Soul and the Refettorio, this soup kitchen that Mm -hmm. we open, we start opening everywhere, Uh, it's, it's not a charity project. It's a cultural project. Interesting. Because we want to share with all the people, as much people as we can, and you, as a reporter, as a journalist, mm-hmm. 
are the most important people. Well, because <laughs> because well, let me finish. Let me finish. Because you are in a cultural project, communicate to the world this kind of mentality. Sure. If you want to fight the waste, you we by ourselves we cannot fight the waste yep. because the the, the repertoire it's about beauty. It's about uh, you know. We need more united people. We need uh, more places that uh, revive the neighbors. We need more places that restore dignity. Mm -hmm. This is about uh, food for soul and uh, refectorio. Get together and uh, start thinking. Make visible the invisible for most of the people. Getting the food like uh, uh, the bread breadcrumbs uh, uh, two days old or mm -hmm. like a, a bruised apple or a overripe banana and show the world what we can do with that kind of product. There are amazing. It's not waste. Yes, it's waste for people. They don't know what to do with that kind of sure. problem. So we use our knowledge to show the world that we can do something incredibly delicious with that kind of food and you are the one who communicate to the world this kind of thought. So that, <laughs> that is the meaning of we are doing our job all together and we are changing the world. So let's talk about the, the issue and, and what we see are, are two issues. One is food waste as just a general problem. Yes. But then what is really interesting and what we see Food for Soul doing is reconceptualizing how people view waste. Uh, that you're not just getting leftovers yes. or you're not just yes. like the, the rich is, okay, I'm done with this. You can have what's left. Yeah. It's, so how have you been able to reframe it and what right. issues have you come perfect. up against? Yeah. This is a perfect question. You know, when I was working at El Bulli mm -hmm. 20 years ago, uh, we all together, we were there like Andoni, Ferran Adria, uh, René Rizzepi. We, we were there and we were sharing these ideas. You know, food was becoming much more than uh, just uh, this kind of fine dining, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, using this uh, uh, classic uh, ingredients from the fine dining like lamb, sea scallops, foie gras, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We break the wall. We, bro we broke the wall. Mm -hmm. And I think food... You broke, you broke the world, yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think so. I, I think, think so. so. And, uh, and uh, because, because we realized that food was getting much deeper mm -hmm. than just a simple meal. Mm -hmm. Good or bad, that, you know, was about emotions. Mm -hmm. So emotion means... I'm traveling from New York and going to Modena and I, wanted to under, I want to understand what is the, the idea of this territory, you know, terroir. I'm getting into the cheese makers like small, they make two big wheels of Parmigiano every day or like the 50 years old balsamic vinegar who won the gold medal and understand the culture of balsamic vinegar behind <laughs> yeah. what is behind that. You know, you want to bite that. You want to chew 
that kind of food and the kind of flavors and understand the culture. That's why there are plates in my restaurant like the crunchy part of the lasagna. Right. You know, it's it's about the emotion of a kid that yeah. is uh, stealing the crunchy part of the lasagna from the big pan of lasagna that the grandmother comes uh, on, uh, on the Sunday lunch and, 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 and put on the table. You know, it, the, the rest of the, of, the, of the pan is for the adults, mm -hmm. but the crunchy part that is the best part of the old pan of lasagna <laughs> is for the kids mm -hmm. because they know, the kids knows that what is, where is the emotion. Mm -hmm. The emotion yeah. is there. So those kind of plates, yeah. they play that kind of role. They transfer emotion. It's me that I want you, that you come to New York, get emotion, eating, biting, chewing, you know, this kind of food. And a crust, a Parmigiano-Reggiano crust that, you know, can be uh, like a, 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 a slice very thin after it's been boiled, you know, you, and can be pasta or sure. part of a broth from the Parmigiano-Reggiano Uh, Ryan, you know, as Michel Trogro used in this kind of, uh, you know, events, it's more emotional than a mediocre caviar or some uh, <laughs> yeah. farm-raised lobster or, or you know, th this is the point. It's people. It's And the culture. And this has been, uh, you know, you know we, it's been developed, this kind of concept has been developed like 20 years ago. Yeah. Now everyone is alert on that. Right. And, you know... And, uh, but for me, it's like uh, my, in my DNA, because I'm an Italian chef, and uh, we grew up like that, you know? Using everything. Uh, using everything, la cucina povera. I remember la, uh, my grandmother was saying to me, uh, during the winter, you know, in the farm, uh, they were like killing the pork, you know? The pork was grown close to the people you yeah. know and 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 the farmers and uh, had a name so the pork is giving his life to to the family and and working the meat cure the meat boiling that using the blood using the nose to tail you know it's like it's normal it's just a, a spiritual gesture of Using uh, the, the animal is giving his life to the family, to the kids, and you have to use every single bones, you know, of this animal. So this is the approach. So, you, yeah. So for nose to tail has already been kind of like that allowed people to think about oh. I'm getting everything in there, but they're still getting first use, kind of first pass on the animal. Let's say they finish with it. How are you letting people or framing people that the, what they get is not secondary or it's not waste or it's not lower? It's still as important as valuable. Very simple. Yeah. You know, the French, that they have an incredible, deeply culture about food, mm -hmm. what they do with cheese. The cheese. Simple. Cheese. Let's get the cheese. <laughs> they have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what they do, they know that the cheese is much better when it's aged. Yeah, yeah it's going to be smelly in a way, but in the palate, it's amazing. The beauty so, of rot. Yes, but, you know, it's like, you know, I know exactly that a piece of Parmigiano can be expired, like, uh, let's say, in six months. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but if I keep and I uh, age it, 
in a in a very good way, you know, you can have the best parmigiano, you, you know, you ever taste. Yeah. Because you know, meat, the way you preserve it, the an ugly uh, brown banana, but it's much better than a than a, than a, a yellow, not even ripe banana, right. because it's like it, it's the way Mexican and Brazilian they are telling us. And is the way we learn uh, during the whole, uh, um, you know, uh, universal exposition, right. seven months of experience in Milan. And uh, I could now I'm looking at the, at the bananas and the banana peels in a totally different way, you know, because I've learned how to work with banana peels mm. and you know create a chutney or you know even. Uh, bacon, smoking banana peels mm. and make carbonara with banana peels instead of using bacon. Oh. You know, that's, that's amazing. You know, but I had to learn from other people. They have a different knowledge than me uh, to the, and the approach to this kind of product. So, so let's bring it all together. So you've been, you have the restaurant, you have the, you have the notoriety. You've been talking about these ideas with other like-minded chefs for 20 years. You've, you and other chefs have also compiled the skills you need to take food that one might see as secondary waste and giving it a sort of dignity, giving it respect. And now it's 2015 and there's the Milan Expo. How did you launch? How did you pitch? How did you get together this first big charity project? Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. Uh, it, it's... Um, it was uh, it was 2014, and uh, they were talking about the theme of Expo and the opportunity that Italy uh, had to show the world uh, what we have, what our history, and uh, you know. But no one was talking about and was answering the real question: mm -hmm. feed the planet. So one day I saw uh, the numbers on uh, FAO and uh, report, and uh, I saw 860 million people uh, are starving, are like needy in the world. 1.4 at that time, today the new report is like 1.8, are oh, billion are overweight. 1.3 billion tons, billion tons of food is wasted every year. 33% of the food we produce is wasted. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. This is incredible. There are pigs like Saudi Arabia is 60%. Brazil is 50%. You know, it's crazy. Of, 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 the, of the food we produce. Yeah. So it's like... So we don't need to produce more. We need to fight the waste. So all these, all the states and the things they were coming and asking the chef, so uh, you want to be involved here? You want to do a pop-up here? You want to do this? Mm -hmm. I said, no. I want to do something to, uh, to tell my story, my vision of what it is, feed the planet. Mm -hmm. So I knock at the doors of every single, you know, people I knew but no one was really getting the concept behind mm. that because it was like a new topic idea, you know. Uh, Massimo Bottura is doing a pavilion at the Universal Exposition. There are, you know. But it's not about the money. 
It's mm. about the vision. Right. This. So you have to, you know. So what I did, I like, I found the space. How mm. can I find the space? I knock at the door at the, mm. uh, of the Archbishop Scholar, the Pope, and they said, yes, thank you for your energy. Mm. You know, we're going to meet in one week and we're going to tell you what we think. One week later, you know, we met in Milan and he said, it's amazing. We're going to do it. Let's go and, and check the place. This old theater in the periphery of Milan uh, with this guy, Don Giuliano, that is always in trouble. <laughs> and so, you know, you're going you're gonna to love him. Yeah. So we went there, like one hour later, we were there. And Don Giuliano looked at me and he said, he looked at me and he said, look at the train behind. It's amazing. Look at the train is passing. The train is bringing you to the future. I said, in my future, there's always future. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is the right guy. Yeah. You know, uh, eight months later, we had, we opened. At the expo. At the expo. This incredible theater that was abandoned like the is it was the waste of architecture you know so just closed the door and, yes and closed the door full of dust <laughs> and rats you know in, in an amazing beautiful thing and uh, you know the architects they redesigned the old space the designer they put amazing communal tables as the monks 500 years ago mm. and uh, you know, artists, they were like putting amazing piece of art to share with the needy that is represent culture. One big neon sign outside the, 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 the thing, the, the, the cause is like, was no more excuses. Mm. It's like, stop talking. Stop. Act. Yeah. Act. We need action. So, I... From that point, I start calling my friends. 45 minutes, I made uh, 60 phone calls. You know, with some of them, the, my closest friend, I didn't even need to even call them. They and where, and they say, where. yes, is, is, is there, yeah. is going to be with us. Like, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, because uh, I uh, have a credibility. Yeah. I build my credibility through hard work, through good ideas. And, uh, you know, the people knows that I don't take shortcuts. My growing is very slow, as I said before. And it was very slow. And the people knows that I'm like very focused on my ideas. And uh, so they all said yes. And they all share this kind of incredible project for seven months. We feed like thousands of meals for the needy, but most of everything, we transfer our knowledge to the volunteers. The volunteers, I have a baker. There is a baker there, is a story, this. This is a very nice story. He's a guy who lost his wife and uh, he was very depressed in his apartment. So the daughter was trying to push him out of the apartment, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, at one point she said, did you hear? He's going to open a, a, a soup kitchen here. Just go there and volunteer. So we had a meeting 
he came. We had a meeting before the opening. Uh, you know, there was like all these chefs coming out from Rome, from Naples, from Milan to teach the volunteer a little bit of what they had to do. So I asked, uh, so who knows something about bread? Who wants to be in the bakery? No one was raising their hand. And uh, I said, okay, you, do you want to come? Of course I'm coming. So he came and uh, during the, the seven months, he learned how to bake bread mm. from the 65 most influential chef in the world. <laughs> Every day, he was creating a new recipes with an amazing oven with stones and stuff, mother yeast, you know, amazing. He is one of the best bakers in Milan. He never, ever touched, even touched the flour before. You know, this is the point. It's transferring our knowledge to volunteers. They're going to spread the word. So, it's us, architect, architects, designer, artists, journalists, chefs, volunteers. They were mopping the floor, washing dishes, sharing the beauty of stay together, create a community. This is Food for Soul. This is our project. We brought light in the middle of the poorest place, as we did in Rio de Janeiro. Exactly the same thing. In the poorest neighborhood in Rio, very problematic. You know, we brought a beautiful space and we brought light. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Rio. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how that happened. And we're going to talk about... Um, Sustainability sus and how this keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a quick musical performance from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I don't mind 
Hi, I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine? And how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are with, we'll say humanitarian, Massimo Vittorio, and we are talking about um, his charity work and his culture revolution that he's leading through food and teaching sustainability to people all over the world. And um, so you had the expo in Milan in 2015. Um, you pulled everyone together to highlight what it means to redefine food and cooking um, for one of one of the, the poorest neighborhoods in the world. And when the global stage was set for the Olympics in Rio in 2016, how far out from that did you realize that this would be a chance to to have a additional megaphone, like an exactly uh, on this? You use a good word, additional megaphone, because you know doing it at the not everyone knows about the expo in in Italy, but everyone tunes into the Olympics, and especially at a time where storytelling and you know the Olympics definitely have that whole um, culture humanitarian real people moment to it. How did that happen? How did you join with them? How did you make it happen? And it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. sorry. No, and, I, and I was going to say, and bringing all the chefs with, uh, 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 like saying, okay, this was, we did this for seven months, sort of not under a microscope, but now we're putting this on a global stage. <laughs> what but came with that? We didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, but it was okay. Back. Let's from, back it from, up. From the beginning. Yeah. Six uh, of December, six in the morning. Five of December, six in the morning. I receive uh, uh, what's up? Twenty fifteen. What year? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. And uh, in which the mayor of Rio was saying that uh, I'm your biggest fan, uh, uh, as you. Can I get a reservation? Can I get a reservation? <laughs> can I get a table? Can I get a table? I'm your biggest fan. Can I, uh, can I get a table for two uh, uh, for my anniversary? No, yeah. no, it's not that. Friday, it's 8 p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm gonna be late. Uh, so, but can I have a tasting menu? <laughs> so, uh, and he said, you know, we need a project like yours in Milan, in Rio de Janeiro. Gastromotiva was there. Ale Forbes, another journalist, was helping us. So I, I look at Lara and I said, 
listen, uh, Re, uh, they want uh, they want to do a project like that uh, at Rio, in Rio de Janeiro. The mayor of Rio is here, and said, "Can I go back to sleep?" <laughs> <laughs> so, but I answer immediately. I saw an opportunity immediately, and I answer, "Why not?" So, in a in a in a month that was following, you know, we were focusing with uh, this. Uh, uh, no profit organization as Gastromotiva, and uh, with our uh, other people, you know, to organize everything. Like Vic Munich, for example, that was the one that uh, the artist, that was the one who, who set up the whole uh, uh, designer and art uh, perspective, you know, and it was. And uh, at that point, I start asking. My friends, so who's going to be during the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro? But most of everything, I want to focus on local chefs, Brazilian chefs, you know, because we have to always to give the opportunity to the locals to be part of the project. I am the one who make visible the invisible, but all the, the others, they, they, they're going to keep the project alive. Mm -hmm. So we start and like that, you know, in in not even you know one day we had the whole uh, you know schedule with dates and uh, and uh, you know and names. People they were like like a guy like a landucas mm. in Paris, you know that is more than a chef. He's an entrepreneur, and uh, you know, but he said. I really love the project. I love the experience in Milan. And I want to be part of Rio. So I put together all these different things. And everyone was calling me. And I said, okay, maybe this, maybe that. So we focus on, on, uh, on, uh, on schedules. And uh, we closed the program. And we went there. We start... You know, it, it, Rio was very different from Milan. Milan was very easy because mm -hmm. it's Italy, because I knew everybody. Rio was just a jump. I was jumping <laughs> in an in unexpected world. Sure. And when I, I was there, I arrived at 6 in the morning. I immediately went to, to see the space and there were like 100 people working and we were extremely late. So in, a, in five days, we create a miracle, you know, and uh, we were able to open at the date, uh, like two days after the opening of the Olympics. But we didn't know what to expect. Right. So the day of the opening, there was a press conference and there were so many journalists, <laughs> uh, but most of them locals. So we were, you know, we were we were exposed you know to the to the things and uh, you know but they didn't get this whole cultural idea behind that they they just thought you know we were opening another soup kitchen right that was an 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 revolutionary act because like a civil civil revolution you know a civil revolution because uh, we like we were very uh, peaceful but we were opening soup kitchen in a moment 
the mayor of Rio was right. closing all the soup kitchen right. not to show the world the problems of the city. Right. You so know, they were moving right. poor people outside of Rio de Janeiro. Sure. So we said, okay, let's open a soup kitchen. Right. And uh, we did. And so Rio, Rio we started like that. Then uh, the, a journalist from the New York Times came and, uh, you know, he started a volunteer, you know, without introducing himself. And, uh, and uh, you know, after, after he understood everything, he, I say, he said, uh, I'm going to write about you. He interviewed mm -hmm. people, you know, and uh, it came out an amazing, amazing piece on the New York Times. And the piece was finished. It was like handing with... Uh, an interview to, to a couple, you know, they were saying that for the first time of their life, they've been treated like human being. So that dignity. Dignity. The dignity through the Rebuild meal. Rebuild dignity. Rebuild dignity was through Was our goal. Through food, through hospitality, through welcoming, through beauty. So that's the core key of our project. Rebuild dignity of the people, transfer knowledge to the volunteers, communicate to the world this kind of approach, fighting food waste. It's not a charity project. It's a cultural project. After the New York Times, they got boom. it. They got it. So one of the things about dignity that's really a subtle but beautiful gesture are the plates and the utensils that you use in the soup kitchens. A lot of soup kitchens you go to, it's plastic, it's disposable, it's a giveaway, but you take so much attention to detail on what people actually eat yes. on, how you see. How did you arrive at that, and what is the philosophy behind the connection between utensils and elevating the food experience? It's beauty. It's part of the beauty. In Milan was uh, Richard Ginori, an Italian company, who gave us um, plates, uh, and, uh, you know, Spiegelau, a friend that was importing the, the glasses, who gave us glasses. Rebuilding, rebuilding the dignity of the people is also sitting on beautiful uh, oak wood tables, mm. on nice chairs, being served by smiling volunteers. They want to be part of this. Uh, and uh, we're surrounded by beautiful art, and serve not as a classic soup kitchen. And, and that, that's the point. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so uh, even the way the chefs, they were, you know, they, were, they care about the food, they care about the presentation, they care about serving these people and sharing with them. I remember Ferran Adria was like, there was a customer not customer, a guest who was complaining because not complaining but saying, you know, I don't eat cheese. And uh, Fran was serving uh, this salad with cheese, so they sent it back. And Fran was asking uh, the volunteer, so what happened with, uh, with the food? Ah, they don't want uh, cheese, and they have a problem. So immediately he created salad for them and he left the kitchen and served them. Maybe. directly at the table mm. so it's like this is the approach this is the mentality the, 
the feeling you have to have with the, with the, the things. Once you realize this, it's like you realize that you have to have plates, you have to have glasses. In Rio de Janeiro, the kids, they, they, they weren't, maybe they never tried glasses, hmm. you know, and uh, they were, for fun, they were breaking glasses on the table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, yeah, that's the point, you know, <laughs> that's uh, part of the beauty that is like 360%. One of the things that we focus on Rio this is a nice story. Um, there, are, there were like two transvestites, uh, part of a very big group that every night was, uh, you know, they were like part, of, uh, they were guests. That the, uh, after a couple of days, they came to me in the morning, they said, uh, Massimo, uh, are you the boss? <laughs> and I said, oh, the boss, I don't know. I'm like helping. And they said, uh, you know, we would love to help and uh, be part of the, of the team. And, uh, you know, I am crazy about cleaning and, uh, you know, keep everything very, very well, you know. And, uh, and so we hire them as cleaners, hmm. you know. We, 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 we introduce them to the team that was cleaning and uh, you know uh, after a week uh, you know I went I, I, I got close to them and you know we were sitting eating a meal and uh, you know I asked so how you feel and the answer you know is the first time of our life that we have uh, two good meals every day uh, we have some money in the pocket and we feel treated like human being Beautiful. and uh, it's unbelievable it it was unbelievable one of the best moments uh, of uh, of my experience in rio de janeiro so um so that that's again inclusive inclusive we open in the moment you know the world are built are building walls like brexit and le pen in france and uh, you know your president once all right not quite our president all right <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know we are breaking walls yeah they're closing soup kitchen we are opening soup kitchen so speaking of opening um your next project is starting in june of this year and you're going to yeah. be in london yeah um how are you planning for that how are you getting ready and how did that come to be and what have you learned from milan and rio that has influenced and taken it to a new level? Every, every project has a different approach. Uh, Milan was uh, the moment in which uh, migrants, they start coming up from Libya, from uh, Syria. But most of the people, they were like locals. Even people, they, they lost their jobs, they had a family or divorced one, father, you know. And uh, Rio... They were 100% locals. They were living in the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, Modena and Bologna, like two other um, places that we have uh, in Italy, in my hometown and Bologna, uh, are different too. In Modena are locals that I knew because they are part of the downtown Modena community that I know since a long time before and was kind of... 
feeling a little bit embarrassing because to see them part in the first approach and then, you know, party or like celebration, every Monday celebration. And Bologna was family, family of migrants mm -hmm. on, on, and are like um, refugees. And uh, so when the kids are involved in this, uh, these uh, events and this celebration, you know, there's, uh, it's very easy. Uh, in London, is going to be... I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I think they're going to be local people. They're, you know, they don't have anything. And they live. And they're part of the whole, uh, you know, church, uh, you know, um, life. They're going to be our guests, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I don't know what to expect. Where, but, uh, you know, we are be? building, where? Yeah. Kensington. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful building. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an amazing building that Ilse Crawford, right now, mm -hmm. is uh, re re restoring and redesigned. Re re and uh, we are placing a beautiful kitchen there. We are like, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be very beautiful. But especially because London is, uh, is such a, critical point uh, such a big city full of uh, biodiversity and uh, but also you know this kind of contradiction tons of money in one place nothing in another yeah. you know food waste for sure is uh, for uh, food waste is is big and because the old machine and uh, and tourism and you know so it's uh, but the the local chef respond in 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 an incredible way I'm you know sure. like we have 150 requests of people they want to come and uh, you know we have just uh, 30 maybe 40 days that we have to fill so is is the goal in opening a place here where it's only open for a month or no. or, or, or or 30 days no it's not a, it's not a pop up eh? no in a, in a milan Right now, yeah, that's what we gonna, are still, still serving 500 meals every, every week. That was my week. question, yeah. And uh, Rio de Janeiro is the same thing, is almost 100 uh, every day. More the meals of the volunteers, they are mm. working there. More the meal of the school yeah. that is inside the refectorio in Rio, because it's also a school who helps uh, the problematic people from the favelas to learn uh, a job and uh, approach for the future, you know, with, uh, you know, with something, um, you know, it's, it's different. And uh, in, uh, in, uh, in London, it's going to be, you know, this Felix project mm -hmm. that is going to take care of the everyday operation. Mm. So it's very important to have a, a par local partner who's taking care of the everyday operation. And, uh, you know, like, like we did uh, for Modena, for Bologna, you know, if chefs are coming to Milan, are moving or passing through Rio, you know, they can go and cook, you know, and uh, keep going. And it's all about that, about create relation, about having the right people, uh, you know, focus on that problem. So the, the, the things that we need to understand is that we need to create sustainable you know places so how can we sustain that 
selling the beauty of the place mm -hmm. for events for companies. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, and make money to to continue. enable and yeah. to continue the the project. So speaking of sustaining and transfer your knowledge, you have a book coming out. Ah, the book, the book. We're, Larry's working with me and uh, Fiden for uh, in the in the, in the, in the fall. It's gonna come out a book that is gonna be called Bread is Gold. It's about uh, the story of the seven month, uh, uh, you know, with uh, 150 recipes. Uh, in which all the best chef in the all the most influential chef in the world, uh, they're using all these uh, ex an extraordinary recipes with ordinary uh, products, which is amazing. Because so many times which you, amazing. you look at books amazing and you go like amazing. You're like I don't I don't like, have I access don't, to those yeah, ingredients, I or yeah, I can't yeah. afford to buy 20 ingredients to make a, a chicken dish. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, with nothing. You know, a pesto pasta with pesto pesto of what? <laughs> of everything <laughs> with what with breadcrumbs because we, I cannot we didn't have any peanuts so we use breadcrumbs instead of peanuts and the pesto was delicious we are making our, in our home we know for my, my son that is like crazy about pesto mm. uh, pesto like that yeah. with breadcrumbs instead of using peanuts now yeah. you know it's amazing and much lighter so it's like we are creating the new tradition and we have to uh, communicate to the world this. So a book is extremely important. This kind of book has to be in every single family of the world to that cooks, you know, because you have to see and to realize how a chef can use uh, ordinary product and in and create extraordinary recipes as movies. Mm -hmm. Theaters of Life is just being bought by Netflix. And from the 1st of June, it's going to be shown on the Netflix, you know, and the world is going to see and is going to watch the whole uh, idea. And, uh, you know, as wasted, yeah. you know, communication is important, is extremely important. I, I think, and I think as we, as we come to a close, you know, um, from the restaurant, from you staring at, tra you know, tradition and changing it, from building these soup kitchens from building all of these cultural revolutions, there's always been this, these moments in your career of, of facing doubt, of facing these people who are doubting what you're doing, what your food might be about. Can you make this cultural revolution? You know, and the pressures that come with people questioning, can he do it? Can, you know, can people believe in, in the vision you have? And so I guess, how do you, how do you manage that doubt? And how do you use those people who critique from afar or have or don't quite understand to really improve what you're doing and, and the, the world that you touch? It's a, it's a, having doubt is a, one of the most important thing because that means you keep evolving. Mm. When I say my future, there's always been future. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be future. Because what I did in the past is something that I already forgot. <laughs> my memory, I have an incredible memory for future. You know, because in my future, I see 100, you know, soup kitchen. Yeah. I see an amazing 
Francescana is never been like that. My restaurant is never been like this. There's a, there are uh, brothers and sisters that are like living with me and they're working with me since 18 years ago, 13 years ago. And, uh, you know, they're like sharing with me these kind of ideas. And uh, the creativity process now in, is in the air. You know, you breathe that. And, uh, you know, you are like, you, if you walk immediately in Monasterio Francescani, you breathe this kind of energy. And who knows what is going to be? Maybe we need uh, more culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my future, maybe I see a big university mm. in the middle of the country of Modena, in an amazing villa, with beautiful land all around, gardens, cheese company, <laughs> balsamic vinegar, Couple chefs, they know more, they can study more about soil, farmers, they can study more about taste, they grow together and build the future for the next generation. This is my dream. Amazing. Well, Chef, where can people find information on Food for Soul? How can they get involved? How can they volunteer? How can they spread the word? How can they be mouthpieces for you? It's, uh, it's uh, online uh, and uh, it's uh, www.foodforsoul.it and uh, it's, uh, you just follow my Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, you know. You can get you can get everything you know in the in the website is displayed. There's a website, you know, but uh, also in uh, in uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. You know, you can follow Food for Soul and uh, everything. You know, I, I keep receiving messages from uh, all over the world of people. They want to volunteer. They mm -hmm. want to be part of this project. They want to share. You know, uh, we got in contact with. Uh, um, United Nations like that they saw the project they came to Modena they want to be involved in this uh, old idea and uh, and uh, and open in Africa maybe Burkina Faso who knows uh, but also also uh, we have uh, the Rockefeller Foundation here in New York they love the project they they want to share with us this kind of project and uh, you know they're like they gave us a grant to to study uh, the possibility to develop many different uh, um, soup, uh, soup kitchen, as I, I say, refectory uh, here in the United States. And I would love to open one in New Orleans uh, mm. with, for music. The city has been hit by the big, tremendous earth, uh, you know. Yeah, the hurricanes. Like hurricanes. Or like Detroit. Mm -hmm. That you know the crisis and the things, and and especially the rock and roll. Yeah. So it's an art community that is getting together in Detroit. You know Miami, Denver. That is going to be Denver is going to be the new capital of slow food. You know, it's there's so many things that are very interesting that are happening in the United States. Bronx, yeah, the poorest community in the United States. I would love to do it with some Barnaby Hospital. You know, maybe. She's, they're going to be our partner for the future and uh, uh, the next seeds is already being planted, you know? Well, Chef, we can't thank you enough for all the work you've been doing. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys, to, to, to find the time to come here and, uh, you know, our, talk with me. 
Our pleasure. Uh, we appreciate it. We're going to have uh, one last track from the archives. Uh, thank you for joining us on Snacky Tunes. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. Yeah, on heritageradionetwork.org.
Talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.